Hey, everyone. I'm Kelsey Nicole Nelson, a sports reporter, host, professor, business owner, entrepreneur, and so much more. But I'm so excited to be here on Relationships and Revenue Podcast. You are now watching it with John Hewan. Life is all about relationships and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled to have each and every one of you with me today. And as you heard from that wonderful introduction, I have the one and only Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Kelsey, how are you? I am fantastic. Happy Tuesday. Glad to be here with you. And thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's our second time meeting, and I'm just as excited to speak with you, John, because you have a great aura about you. So just delighted to be here. Thank you. Feel the same way about you. So appreciate that. So <laughs> appreciate that. Now, folks, if you were paying attention to the intro that Kelsey gave us just a little bit ago, she mentioned several different things. Well, Kelsey, we're kindred spirits in another way that she doesn't know about yet. I would say, and I don't know if she applies this term to herself. I am a serial entrepreneur, as all of you know, because I have okay. many different businesses and they're all different. Well, yeah. Kelsey is the same kind of person. <laughs> She's into a lot of different things. Yes. She is the freelancer of freelancers, <laughs> which uh, which I like to say. And so some of the things she's done, she is an award-winning journalist. She's analyst. Oh my goodness. So many things that you guys know. I go from my notes because uh, it is your home. got to be prepared. I love it. You can never be over-prepared. Stay ready. So That's you never right. You're, you're a, a marketing specialist. You're an advocate when it comes to education. Yes. Goodness. You've been, you currently, you are a radio and TV host, yeah. a reporter. You've worked with such organizations as SB Nation, NASCAR, ESPN Radio, Fox Sports Radio, and so many more. You're the, yeah. currently the director of communications for NFYI, the National Foster Youth Institute. Make yes. sure I said that right. You did. Okay. Great job. <laughs> College professor. What? <laughs> okay. I, I so, do nothing, John. I do nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You just, you don't have anything going on. You're bored no, all the time. I have like, I nothing but time. I'm asking people, send me stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. So do us a favor, take us back because you didn't just wake up one day and, you know, become the director of communications of NFYI, I'm going to make sure I use the acronym correctly. Uh, you didn't wake up and become that person, nor did you become a college professor right away. So <laughs> take us back. How did you get your start and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, I love this question. Let me just say, I'm so thankful to be in the place that I am now. Like I truly am the definition of betting on yourself and having a village mm. behind me that has truly supported and believed in me along the way, you know, praising my highs, but also getting on me on my lows and making sure that I know better <laughs> and how to improve on myself. And you need those people in your life. You don't just need people telling you how amazing you are, how great you are. Oh, you need no. people also be sure to tell you like, Kelsey, that just wasn't a good look for you. Or mm, I don't know. I didn't really like that. I think you need to go back and do better. So I would really say that's been my story. I have such a supportive family. You know, they are my blocks. They are the people that keep me grounded. Um, and the people that I can always run to. But honestly, I mean, 
I think for me, you know, I, I'm so lucky and I'll use blessed because first off, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I am following his plan. I'm following his steps, which I think has enabled me to get here. But, you know, I also am just thankful. I grew up in a household, John, where my parents always told me, if you want to do something, go after it. But they also mm. never told me it had to have a limit behind it. So, you know, if you want to be a <laughs> But if you want to be a doctor, like, you know, go after it and, you know, not coming from a lot of wealth, I had to build everything. So for me, it's always been like, I think the underdog mentality is what's really drilled me. You know, I've always hmm. been underestimated. I've looked undervalued for a very long time. I think when you're an underdog, you're always having to prove yourself. Yeah. And I think that's really enabled me to do, you know, so many different things because I'm always going to do things to the best of my abilities. But I also never like being placed in a box because I have so many interests, John, since I was a young kid. So why do I have to only pick one, you know, to focus the rest of my career on if I'm only going to live once, right? And only be mm -hmm. here one time. And so for me, it's, you know, what am I really interested in? What can I put my energy and passion behind? What excites me, you know, when I wake up in the morning? That's how I'm able to do so many different things. And so I think it was really taking that, but learning how to obviously turn it into different career paths, but also trust has been huge. I do so many different jobs and people have to trust that I'm able to balance everything, mm. right? So when somebody hears you do a lot, the first thing is like, well, how are you doing it? And how are you going to be able to help us with you doing so many different things? So trust, I think has also been huge in my life. Um, and, you know, just having great organizations and bosses and supervisors and coworkers and people that, you know, trust in me to get the job done with them. But also trust in me knowing that, you know, I know Kelsey has stuff going on and we're going to support that, but she's also going to still be here for me. So I think that's really what it was, a combination, again, of, of good support system. Everyone needs a foundation. Your strongest community is your strongest people. They have a good foundation so around them. And that can be anybody. You know, there's support. It comes in many different shapes, forms. It might be a religious form of support. It might be a physical form of support. You know, it might be an emotional, mental form of support. But you got to have some type of support system around you. Also, again, a lot of my motivation starts from right here. I believe in me. And that's where the belief yeah. starts down for me. So, you know, luckily I've, I've always felt like I can do this, you know, and it starts mm -hmm. with that. And then I think it kind of, you know, exacerbates to other people who are around me who say, if you're around Kelsey, like she's the most determined, motivated person, you know, I've ever been around, um, which mm -hmm. I think is super important. And then again, for me, it's just never limiting myself, John, never putting myself in a mm -hmm. box society has tried to place me in since I was born, you know, mm -hmm. into the earth back many, many years ago. Um, and, you know, just living outside the box. I think that's how I've been able to bring so many different things to fruition and hold so many titles. And I take none of them for granted because each one means the same importance to me. And they're all, they're all part of my story. They're all part yeah. of who I am. And so I take none of them for granted. Now you grew up playing sports, correct? I did. And I did. I'm an athlete. I still have many scars and bruises. Uh, you and me both. So I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. All right. Now see you, now you continued that into college too, correct? I did. I did. And I, of course, was the crazy person my last semester taking 29 credits, which I never rock up in for any college student. I had to get special permission. I had switched majors. Yeah, you would. Like, <laughs> yeah, the money is stopped after four years. I had to do an extra semester, but that better be the maximum. So I had to cram everything into it. But again, being motivated, I was still working. <laughs> But again, I always had the belief, I can do this, right? It takes mm -hmm. a lot of extra motivation to get through 20 to 29 credits. Don't get me wrong. But, mm -hmm. you know, started from me within. And then again, just knowing what I wanted to do. And I knew this might have been a little roadblock to get there. But I knew I had to get over it in order to get to the de destination um, that I wanted to get to. A destination that I'm still building, obviously, right now in my current mm -hmm. life. But yeah, I've always been busy in college. I did... Uh, I didn't play for, I didn't play at the top level at Maryland and I wouldn't have played at the top level folks. I would have been on the bench. Maryland had some amazing athletes in college mm. park, <laughs> but I got to cover them at Maryland, which obviously helped my career. Nice. 
um, as a broadcaster, kind of being right around the game, being with top athletes, some of whom go pro. You know, I was there with Stefan Diggs, Alyssa Thomas. So if you're watching WNBA, you know, Alyssa, if you're a football fan, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, you know, so Tori Smith was there when I was there. Ravens fans, you remember that name when he played. So, you know, I, I was just really blessed to be in college again with great athletes, great journalism. That's where I started teaching. Um, you know, I started my I started a teaching apprenticeship program at Maryland. I was a teacher's assistant for African civilization. So a lot of stuff that I did, you know, my communications, did communication classes at Maryland, a lot of stuff happened in college where I was able to really refine my skills. Uh, obviously, skills I'm using today in pretty much every one of my roles that I currently hold. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a bit. It's quite a bit for sure. So now I'm curious because people go into different aspects of um, and, and I'm going to use the term terms journalism reporting that sort of thing yeah what made you decide to go the route of the sports side versus like the news side yeah yeah i think this is such an important question and sometimes there's folks that don't realize that sports actually does have a news component you know it does it does Um, i know but to your point i think for me and i remember watching the news i used to love watching the news and just remember asking my parents you know how many people are these folks reaching you know they're like millions i'm like wait millions of people you can reach by sitting on a set um you know always wanting to be a connector always wanting to be a storyteller but for me sports was really my first introduction to the world to culture and i say that to say like sports it's a beautiful place where it's really probably probably sports and food are like the one and, and sports has obviously food in it when you go to a game. But it's one place you can really be by anybody, different background, different religion, mm-hmm. different political affiliation. And they're sure. all there for the game. And I just thought that was always so magical. And some of the most cool experiences I've had, some of the most interesting people I've ever met were at sports venues, right? We're at sporting mm-hmm. games. And so for me, sports has always been part of my life. You know, I grew up a, I grew up a daddy's girl. I grew up an athlete. I grew up in a in a southern family, southern black family, where sports was a large part, you know, mm-hmm. of what we do. So, growing up in the DMV and then spending some summers in Jackson, Mississippi, um, you know, football was large into my life. I come from a, a lot of my um, aunts. My dad went to historically black colleges and universities where sports mm-hmm. play a role as well. So that was an early introduction for me. Um, and then again, that's where I made my first friends, you know, playing sports, you know, whether it was the Cavity Busters who I played for in first grade, our soccer team sponsored by Gentist, hence the name, um, you know, <laughs> Miss Dance School of Maryland, you know, I was doing ballet, tap, jazz and hip hop, um, you know, whether it was when I was playing tennis at Cap and John, you know, so many great things in my life. My best memories of my families were going to sporting events and games, rooting for Georgetown, rooting for Maryland, you know, and, and then I remember getting my first free ticket, you know, Plum Guard Community Center. I mean, my parents were able to go to our first professional sporting event, you know, so what? sports has played such an, a big role, but I think there's so many stories that happen through life. The Olympics, I think, is such a profound event in American history. You know, so the world kind of come together and compete um, and, and, you know, rally for their athletes. And, you know, I remember the fist. I mean, there's so many things that happen in sports that transcend. And I think that's what I wanted to be part of, you know, um, you, you know, with so many of these, the Negro Leagues and what Negro Leagues had meant for baseball, right? And what Jackie mm-hmm. Robinson did, not just in baseball, I think really for the world, you know, the USC Alabama game, what Sam Bam Cunningham was able to do that helped the University of Alabama integrate, like sports has played such a tremendous part in history. And I think for me, John, I just want to be part of that storytelling effort because I think, mm-hmm. you know, I just all oh, what it does for people and what it could do for our nation, for our culture to hopefully help and advance and propel it forward. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'm curious not everybody who gets into the 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 main field that you're in yeah chooses to go the route the route of freelance versus yeah. working directly for any one of those organizations we talked about before so yeah. why choose the freelance way 
Yeah, I think for me, I love freedom. I love freedom books. I love having flexibility. I love the S. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> when you say like that, you got to add context behind it, right? Freedom. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I think freedom comes in many different forms, right? It's flexibility in your schedule. It's financial freedom, having multiple sources of income going to your bank right. account. Like I think all of us have learned by now, especially after COVID and government shutdowns and so many other things, you know, that is is so important. And I can kind of just relate to your last question, too. I think with the news, you're kind of more put into like a one kind of shop, stop shop, right? As an anchor. And, you yeah. know, also, I'll be honest, I don't want to deliver crime stories. And a lot of happens in the world. My personality just never fit that. But I think for me, the flexibility you have. <laughs> Sports, you know, it was great. Like I wanted to be able, you know, I've been called up. I mean, I've been called up John to talk sports in Canada and London mm. places. You know, I've never even been to Canada, but I've talked in Canada. I just did Dubai a couple months ago, you know, sports and entertainment. So I think for me that freelancing, again, it gives me that freedom and flexibility to, to have different bosses and get more visibility in a way, but also not be constrained to only working mm. for and that's not to say I might be this way my whole life. Like right now, I like having that freedom and flexibility. But with that freedom and flexibility, I mean, the crazy schedule, folks, because freelancing also means that like like today, hey, can you go host the show tomorrow? Which is fine, which is great. But that means I had to shift my schedule completely, right? Because I already had something um, yeah. aligned. And some people might not like that. Again, for me, it's a good place to be. It gets me more visibility. And it gives me. I think it gives me more reps and more opportunities to showcase my right. skills and talents. And then again, I, I get I get more places where I can reach more people, which is very important to me because I never want to be confined, John. I feel like that's what freelancing does for me. And it works for me and doesn't work for everybody. But right mm-hmm. now, not, I'm not turning to my freelance ships, John. I'm keeping them to myself. And <laughs> well, and I, I would imagine that and, and I'm making an assumption here. Yeah, I'm going to make an assumption that you are single and you have no kiddos right now. No kittens. I'm not going to say single. I'm in a happy place in my life. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, no kids and not planning to have kids. I'll tell you. I don't mind sharing this. Not planning to have kids probably till later, just because right now, John, I know I could it. I couldn't commit the time that I think is necessary to a child. Again, going back to my freelance career because my yeah. schedule is so crazy busy and I'm juggling and handling so mm-hmm. many. Different- that is the same reason why I don't have any animals. Ah, see, and that's to be honest, thing. I have no animals either, John. Because, like, like you said, I mean, with what time? With what time? Well, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I can't say that I don't have children because clearly, I lo- and I, I love do. the family pictures. They are so. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's kind of the point. So, um, you know, I had somebody recommend to me when I first started doing my podcast is that when you figure out what you want behind you. It's a re- it's a reflection of who you are and yeah. what you value most. Yeah, I love that. And so when I was thinking about that, it became a no brainer. And I had these things made. I mean, the pictures had already been done, but I decided right. to have them put on canvas and have them put behind yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, so people could see that. Now, I mean, you know, there's other people that have, you know, much fancier studios and stuff. And it's like, oh, I never cared about yeah. that. To me, it was more about yeah. having the interaction. People, you want to know what's important to me? Right there. Yeah, That's why I do what I do. Exactly. Your why. Your why. And I think that's something, you know, many mm-hmm. of us in our mind, like what drives you? It's my why, you know, and for some people it's family, right? For some mm-hmm. people it's a childhood dream, you know, of theirs. So I think you do have to have your why, you know, keep your eyes focused on the prize. And then yeah. especially when you have those hard days, it's always nice to relate back to that why, you know, see that your family, mm-hmm. you know, they're always going to have your back, right? Yeah. Regardless of whatever happens. And so to your point, I think it is always important, again, to have something driving you and something that you care about that you can mm-hmm. always react to. Oh, yeah. You know, and <laughs> since we were talking about, they talk about the why, another way of saying that is your purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know any other way to say it than this. Yeah. I had, not all that long ago, 
I had three different elements and I was trying to figure out how I could kind of morph them together. And I wasn't sure how to do that. And honestly, I had an epiphany one day. It, it was as if the heavens parted, light <laughs> shone down on me and God spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard it in my head like you and I are talking right now. Right. And he said, it's P3. Mm. I'm like, P3? It's like, take the elements. It's like, the elements are pain, purpose, Ooh. platform. Yeah. Yes. Typically in that order. Yeah. Like you take the most challenging thing, the most painful thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. If you've taken the time to work through the pain, you don't mm -hmm. dull it. You don't pretend it's right. not there, but you right. actually work through it. When you get to the other side, that's where purpose is. Mm, and as and as my friend James Laughlin told me, he's seven time world champion drummer. And he came yeah. up. With, I, I love the way he defines the he differentiates between purpose and passion. OK. To him. Passion is for you, meaning it's it's for me. Whatever I'm passionate about, that's for me. My yeah. purpose is for the world. Yeah, and I love that. And I think it makes it so clear. It makes it so clear. Because, right, your passion is something, I think that's unique to you. It's part of your identity, and right? Your purpose is, I think, kind of the impact, right, that you're hoping mm -hmm. to, I think, in the world. I love that definition. I think it helps people differentiate, as you're saying. Yeah. So pain leading into purpose. And once you figure out what that purpose is. Yeah. It determines your platform. Mm, yeah, it provides it for you. Yeah. So yeah. we are like I always I have the two P's, and you know that's that's using your platform for purpose. You know, and I'm so grateful. Absolutely. Supported, you know, so many great platforms where I'm able to push my purpose, and I think my larger purpose, you know, is is to make more opportunities. You know, for, for young girls, John, that look like mm. me. You know that, that we're told so many times they couldn't do this, or you know they're never going to make it or be limited. Uh, mm -hmm. And so all I do, I think that's kind of the common tie-in is I want to make, I want to make a trail. I want to make a path, you know, to, I'm tired of, you know, people waiting to offer me a seat at the table. I'm going to build my own table. I'm going to make sure there's lots there you of go. Many, table, many chairs around it and that there's place for these young girls to put their elbows down, to be heard, to speak out loud and to be listened mm -hmm. to ideas to be implemented. So I think to your point, you know, again, I have the two P's. I might steal your third P though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like what you shared. But again, I'm very big into using your platform for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And folks, for those of you who may feel like I don't really have a platform, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to offer you the advice that I was given many years ago. And it's yeah. this, borrow somebody else's platform that's the type of platform you want to be on. Borrow their platform until you have your own. Yes. yes. Now, it's if you want further explanation as to what that means, that means you and I need to have a conversation. So find a way to reach out to me and I would be more than happy to share that with you. Because that's awesome. a completely, that's a separate episode altogether, all into its own about yeah. how do you borrow somebody else's platform mm. to create your own. So that's, yeah. that's a separate one. Mental note for John, another episode. <laughs> coming up soon <laughs> that's right now you started talking about creating your own table i want to i want to yeah. dig a little deeper and i want to flesh that out a little yeah. bit here because i'm going to say we because there's very there are a lot of things about you and your story that are similar to mine yeah. and so i'll say it this way there are not a lot of people like us yeah where you need there's not a lot of people are. who want to say you know what i like that table but Every time I try to get in, the, nobody's letting me in the door to get to the table. I can't get to that table. So I'm tired of trying. Yeah, I'm going to make my own table. I'm going to have it exactly how I want it. And then I'm going to open it up. Yeah. Other people can come in because the point of having the table, you don't want to sit at a table alone. That is yeah. just sad and pathetic. 
Oh yeah. Why have a table if you're going to offer others, right? Get a chair if you just if you don't want to have anybody else there. A table is for gathering and for bringing other people with you. So completely, yes. completely agree. So what does that look like for you when you say I want to create my own table? Yeah. What does that look like outside of creating opportunities for other right. beautiful young ladies like yourself? How do you do that? What does that yeah. look like? Yeah. You know, so I'll tell you, like, so what it started with for me was, you know, growing up in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, you know, this is where I wanted to make a home for myself in journalism. Mm. I thought, why leave? I'm in the most powerful city in the world. Right? This is mm. a community I know. Right. A community I love uh, and a community that also knows me. Right. And loves mm -hmm. me. But yeah. what happens is there, you know, people tell you, well, it's good and all, but you can't stay here. They're going to hire people from other places to come tell the story. And maybe later mm. on, come on back come on back. And that just didn't make sense. And so, you know, I was like, I'm going to bet on myself, which, you know, I think when you hear that, it sounds easy, but it's a lot to bet on yourself. And that's kind of <laughs> that investment yeah. in yourself, right? Is going through the good and the bad times and all that to say, you know, I, I graduated college and I was looking for jobs and everyone, you know, it's always something, right? You don't have enough experience. You're mm -hmm. not what we're looking for, um, you know, come back later. And I saw other people getting hired and I was like, wait a minute, this person doesn't even have experience, you know? So I basically, I started yeah. to and then as, after a while, you know, I was like, well, you know, me just getting mad is not going to do anything for myself. And something I have right. learned to do was turning every no to an on. And that means I'm, you know, that's just reversing the words. And instead of no, it's an on. And it means I'm supposed to be put on to something else. I'm supposed to be put on to something greater. And so how can I basically, my word in life is being able to pivot. And so I had to be able to take these no's, turn it on and be able to pivot to something else. And then I realized, you know, people were at a good friend, Brian H. Waters, he's like, Kelsey, you're great. Why don't you just start something yourself? You know, you're, you're saying everything that you want to be hired for. But why don't you do it? I was like, mm -hmm. that's pretty smart. <laughs> and, you know, eventually, and of course, it's not that easy, right? If you want to start something, you know, I had to reach out to people to get, to get a logo. You know, I wanted to brand myself. Sure. Kind of K&N kind of thing that people call me kind of begin to stick. It was part of my yeah. brand. So everybody called me. But I realized, you know, that's something that, you know, when people hear K&N, I want them to think about me. And then yeah. everyone would take Kelsey, like, you know, your, your own news network. That's kind of how K&N started, like, play off the CNN. So I have my own news network. Why don't I make my own media company? That's kind of how Listen In with KNN started. It's my podcast media platform. And going back to your point, being able to build a table, I've been able to now start an internship program. And I've had amazing interns come through. I'm so proud to see what they're doing, not just in journalism, but in life. And so I started a digital media internship program because most students will tell you they graduate college. Going back to what I said about people not having experience, they're not able to get a lot of hands-on experience. But I wanted to make sure people had hands-on experience. But then, of course, during COVID, having to pivot, and make this virtual, right? And so I'm still mm -hmm. able to give students an opportunity to actually reach more students, you know, because of COVID, mm. because turned it virtual, right? Because you don't have constraints then, you know, just being in the DMV area. Um, and then also I started an HBCU internship program. I told you what HBCUs did for me in my early introduction into sports. And just knowing our historically Black colleges and universities are underfunded, I think you don't get the attention that they need. I want to make sure that these students as well, as well had an equal playing field. So that to me mm -hmm. was just an example of building the own table. And I thought it was important for me to build the table, especially because it's being built by someone who knows what it is to not be welcome. You know, it's being built by somebody who knows the, the journey, you know, of that. And it's being built by someone who looks a lot like these people who aren't offered seats at the table. And, you know, for me, that's what it is. And I think that's what I've been able to do in life. And it, being an entrepreneur was never in the plans. It was never mm. in the you know, I thought, I mean, in, in life, you know, you grow up and you always kind of run the mindset, I want to be this, but usually it's working for somebody else. But, you know, mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, <laughs> I realize it's kind of nice to be your own boss. Again, just my media platform, using my platform mm -hmm. for purpose, you know, people reaching out to me, seeing what I'm doing. 
hey, company, do you mind doing this for me? Do you mind doing that for me? And then it comes to tax time and your tax person's like, you're doing all this great stuff, but you need to be a business. <laughs> you can't do it all under yourself. And then one business turned into two. And now I'm in the process of, and this is newer news, but launching my K&N Foundation, which will be a nonprofit and will have my mm-hmm. books in borders, books and educational bankruptcy under it. So again, going back to building a table, for me, building a table is building opportunities for others. That's really what it is, is building opportunities for others to come join along. And so I'm just thankful just using those examples that I've been able to do that. And knowing, again, I'm not the richest person in the world by a long shot, you know, but being able to use the tools and resources that I have to give back to others. Lifting as I climb is another important thing for me. So going back to building a table, making sure I'm lifting others up um, so we can all climb, hopefully, up the hills together, John. So hopefully that answers your question, but that's really been... Going mm-hmm. back to your point, that's been my purpose, I think, in life is to be able uh, to build tables that in rooms where there haven't been any um, or to expand tables to some, you know, where there haven't been an opportunity or seat for many. Okay. Why be an advocate for education? And and there's a reason I asked that question. There's actually two reasons. Yeah. Uh, the second reason actually just kind of came to me when I heard you talking. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's something that I have long thought that our education system actually was based from, we'll say it really comes from the 19th century more than anything Mm -hmm. is where it comes from. And it was creating workers for factories. Right. Right. And so it very, very few places can you go to, and I'm talking about public education now. Right. Um, Can you, can you go where anyone even knows about, let alone encourages entrepreneurship? Yeah, I so yeah, I it. I, that that sort of independent thinking and doing things different, sometimes for the sake of being different, just because it's different, knowing all the while it's going to fail. But that's the purpose. The yeah. purpose is yeah. to fail, because when you fail, you learn. You if learn you do something. it right. You don't learn anything. You don't. When you fail, you have to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. So you're so right. And I think that's so important. And going back to your question, I think why become an advocate? I'll say like just for my own personal journey, you know, so my parents are from Jackson, Mississippi, um, and basically Jackson, Mississippi, you know, a very predominantly black city where the school system just hasn't been good for a very long time. This is going back from my parents' age, unfortunately, until now, some of the, some of the same problems occurring in the school systems. Actually, my parents decided, going back to your point, hey, we want to have kids, but we want to have the best opportunity to provide for our kids. And so that's when my parents went to Montgomery County, Maryland, which is Mm. probably one of the top public school systems. Um, you know, in the United States. Um, but I think that herein lies a problem. Zip codes should not dictate your education or your child's educational future. I'm going to say that again. Mm. Zip codes should not dictate your child's educational future. So my parents were lucky to have the ability to be able to move. They were able to get government jobs up here, able to move themselves. And of course, you know, start an apartment. You know, they literally start an apartment, you know, went to condo, went to townhouse. I think I've lived in every single type of house. Mm -hmm. Um, with my parents and family, you know, of course, as they were able to grow, but it was important for them. But again, not every parent, John, is able to do that and shouldn't have to do that because if you're born in this country, you are guaranteed, you're provided the right to a high quality education, right? Mm -hmm. That's why people want to come here to America, right? The American dream. But all in all to say, you know, our school system, unfortunately, a lot, many times to the schools that are struggling um, in our country, are in predominantly usually minority communities or rural communities or urban city centers, again, where you have large populations um, of mm-hmm. people of color. I think number two, a lot of those schools have been bad for a while. They've been bad for a while. I mean, I can't tell yeah. you how many times I talk to families and the parents went to the same school and then the kids went to the school and, and nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed. 
which is a problem. And for me, and I end every email, if you've got an email from me, you see a quote from one of my idols, Oprah Winfrey, education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Why I've been able to do so much is because I was able to excel in school. And that's, you know, was no, I literally, you know, I had no tutor. It was me. It was me and the grind mm-hmm. and, you know, regular pencil, mechanical pencil, whatever I had, John, in a notebook. But education mm-hmm. was what afforded me opportunities. It got me, you know, I, got, I did fellowships. You know, I did, a, I did a, you know, I was able to be a, a student ambassador. And that was the first time I went out the country. I lived in Italy, France, England, London, and Monaco, which was huge for me. My parents, you know, my parents still haven't been out the country. You know, so to be the first one in my family to be out and able to do that. You know, again, I told Youth Leadership Greater Washington, learning from some of the best and brightest minds you know, here in D.C., and this was all based on my educational attainment. You know, I was able to mm-hmm. join the 4-H club and do some things with the 4-H. So all of this to say, you know, my own personal journey, and again, I told you I've lived here in D.C., and I used to live down south, and just seeing the differences. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, one of the most hurtful things, I was at an education teachers for color, or sorry, educated, education leaders of color conference. And there was a man in, from Greenwood, Mississippi, and he was saying how he was a teacher and how they were so taught to teach to the test, right? Because you guys remember standardized tests in school. Oh, yeah. Of course, still there, right? And still trying to find a way to do it better. But these kids, even though they were in Mississippi, just a few miles from where Emmett Till was killed. And if you remember, Emmett Till was a turning point in American history. Not one student knew who Emmett Till was. And so I said this to say, I'm not just passionate about education because of what you need to learn, why it's important to be able to read on grade level so you can get a job and be able to read instructions, be able to read your paycheck and make sure everything's there, be able mm-hmm. to do basic math, you know, and then, of course, we know the prison to pipeline system and how early prisons are being built based on how child is doing at third grade level. But also education is important because it's supposed to also teach you about your history, right, where you come from. And for me, if you don't know where you come from, you can never know where you're going. And so I think that historical context as well in schools. But I'm so glad you brought up the historical context because our schools were not built, as you said, kind of for how we see our education system now. It's had to change and they're trying to adapt. But there's a lot of there's a lot of behind. Again, I told you I was teaching in schools that I've worked. I've been in schools in Baltimore City, Prince George's County, Public, Maryland. I do a lot now with schools, right? So I'm speaking all around. But, you know, anytime you go to schools and, and there hasn't been one school where this hasn't been true, um, there's always a child that's usually behind. And that's a problem. And I also understand our teachers have so much, you know, going on. They're trying to do so much. Our schools are full, you know, and only getting fuller, you know, by the day. But all this to say, you know, there needs to be help. And, you know, my another quote, I love quotes, John. If you're not part of the problem, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And so for me, it's why I became an advocate. I saw a problem. I knew something needed to be done about it. It's why I founded Books Breaking Borders, Books that End Educational Bankruptcy, because there's an educational bankruptcy right now happening in our country, happening to our children. And again, that education piece, it's so important for a student's trajectory and it's important to get them young when we're supposed to support them. So all that to say, education advocacy came to me early. It came to me early because I was in classes. Usually I was the only one that looked like me. I saw that was a problem. It, was, it became early to me because I can count the number of Black teachers that I had. You know, so basically I saw so many different problems early on, John, and I always said I want to do something about it. And I'm not even, I want to, then in college trying to, I'm going to do something about mm-hmm. it. And I was able to kind of turn on and kind of start all of my real education advocacy. But I think that's kind of how it started. And it's something that still today, it motivates me, it drives me, because still to this day, we see how many kids are graduating from schools, not being able to read and write on basic grade levels. And then we're expecting them to just be able to go get a job and stay out of trouble. And it does not work like that when you're not giving them a fair chance, right, to have a chance at this capitalism that we live in, at this democracy that we live in, because you're not affording them a high quality, good education that all children should be entitled to. Well said. Well, I'm passionate. <laughs> well said. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
National Foster Youth Institute. How did that come about? Because that's yeah. of, of all the things we've talked about so far, that one, I mean, it's it's kind of related to that education. It's kind of into education, but not kind of. But right. it's it's when you get to the foster part of it, I think that's kind of where it 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 can throw somebody a little bit. It's like, okay, right. I can kind of see some of these other things, but where does that come into play? Yeah, where did that come? Yeah, so I'll tell you. So I first found out about this job from one of my coworkers. They used to one of the organizations I used to work for was that of General Colin Powell and his wife. And it was mm. America's Promise Alliance and doing a lot of work with young people, you know, with education, uh, social, emotional, and kind of all those different things. And so one of my old coworkers was the first one to tell me about this. Why did he tell you about this, Kelsey? Well, he told me about this because he knew how much I was doing in the community, speaking with youth. And I've actually in D.C. had a chance to work with D.C. Youth Services, right? So I actually had a chance to speak with foster youth firsthand on the ground. Mm -hmm. Had a director of comms job. So obviously most of my background comes in. I'm a storyteller at the end of the day. I'm a storyteller. I'm a connector. Um, and I've always been passionate about that. But my biggest thing is helping the most vulnerable populations. So you talk about the foster part. And if you know about the fosters, if you know about the child welfare system, if you know about foster youth, you know, it's a big problem in this country that we have not been able to find a way to address it. And for me, I wanted to go beyond just talking to foster youth, John. I wanted to go beyond just mentoring foster youth. So honestly, when this opportunity came, it was literally a perfect time. I was at, a, I was one of my roles, you know, I was doing good work, but I felt like my work wasn't being transformative. You know, I kind of felt like mm. I lost in that work, my why. You know, I was doing mm. the work. You know, you've ever been in a job, you can do the work, but you're not feeling like it's making a difference. And then you kind of start to lose your excitement about it. So yeah. it literally came at the perfect time where I, I read about this organization, you know, a national organization. So it goes from me making a difference in the local community to have me a chance to make it in the national community again with one of the most vulnerable populations. And especially because the age range we work with, the 18 to 30 years old, is when foster youth transition out, which is a big problem because there's not a lot of support once they transition out of the child welfare system. So I think that's right. how it kind of came about. Just me, again, seeing and knowing a problem and wanting to get back to it. And I thought I could lend my time, talent, and skills to this population. And John, when I say this has been one of the best decisions that I've made in my life, it's truly been one of the best decisions I've made in my life because now I'm working as a communications team of one, but I wouldn't trade that because now I've been given the, the opportunity to help amplify and uplift foster youth voices, which are so important because that lived experience. You know, we just did an event on Capitol Hill last month where our members, our Congressional Leadership Academy members who are foster youth, our former foster youth who participate in a 10-month program with trainings and workshops and so many other things, they got to directly connect with members of Congress, with members of the Congressional Caucus on Foster Youth, right? And so much more. And so I think just being able to combine my love of, of education to what you're talking about, my love of obviously investing in communities and propelling mm -hmm. communities. Um, I think that's what this, and then advocacy. I, you talked about me being an advocate. This job kind of combines all of my skills and talents into one, but again, working for the most vulnerable populations. And I think that's how we connected, right? I've been, mm -hmm. So I can't tell you how many people when I started working for this job, people that... And I've even known, like, Kelsey, oh, my God, I'm a former foster youth, and I love that you're doing this. So just to be able mm -hmm. to connect and tell their stories, and many of them had never shared that before, but, you know, seeing somebody that they trust, you know, with their story and, and me having that means a lot to me. And being able to connect more people and tell more people about this work that this organization is doing as a nonprofit that we want to continue to grow, it means a lot to me. So, again, I feel like this is a great opportunity for me to use my platform for a purpose. And so me serving on a comms role, being able to work and get media, it's a perfect combination of honestly all my, all of my skills, talents, and interests and passion mm -hmm. into one role. So just truly thankful to be there. Okay. Now this goes along with the education theme, 
mm-hmm. college professor. <laughs> it came with the job. I'm telling you, it's so funny. And soon I'll hopefully have some good news. Can't announce it yet. Um, but, you know, just being able to. And again, I came, I started this when I was in my 20s, you know, being mm-hmm. it. And journalism has opened, John, so many doors for me. Mm-hmm. So many doors that I had never planned for. But this is why life is a journey, folks. It's why life mm-hmm. is a to your final destination. Um, I say all that to say, like, you know, I never thought about it. But what happened was I had a good friend and colleague. So this, again, goes back to my multiple interests. Who knew I was working as a sports journalist. But also I had met him when I was working with the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools, working in their communications end, right? So working with charter school students across the country, public charter school students across the country to tell their stories. And, you know, I meet with him and, you know, we have a great relationship. Talk about relationships. So important to keep them nurture them, invest in them. Mm-hmm. And he is a lawyer for this college down in, in Doral, which is right outside of Miami. And mm-hmm. an opportunity comes up where they need somebody for the media communications journalism class. I have a person in mind. Let me see if she's interested. So I was the first person, you know, they reached out to about this. I had a chance to co-teach with Larry, the Amigo Milan, who if you're in the Miami area, you'll probably know that name because you probably listened to him on the radio. And I was teaching an intro to radio and podcasting class. You read about my background. That's something I had been doing, right, for a long time, working on radio, working on air, and having a successful podcast that really helped propel my career. And also, I think the right thing about it is our students were actually able to run their own serious XM station. And then again, just seeing how cool technology is, I was able to actually teach John virtually. So it's still based here in D.C. Mm-hmm. at a college in Florida. So I think, you know, there's so many great aspects to that, but being able to, you know, grade papers and, you know, learn management systems and putting grades and, and, you know, and providing feedback and having office hours for students to contact you, like it was such an amazing experience. And now again, that's part of me. I'm still a capstone advisor now. I will be back adjunct teaching soon. I can't really say that, but that's why you guys have to follow me to stay tuned. Um, But I think too, that both of my leadership capabilities and passions, and it's been one of the most surreal things for me. And again, that even that has opened so many doors. And and that's also grateful and thankful for me, again, having a journey and getting my master's degree. So I told you I was having trouble getting a job after college mm-hmm. here in DC. And so, you know, I told you I went back to the drawing board. That's kind of when I started to freelance. I, I get a small gig here, a small gig there. But when you first start freelancing, usually, John, those small bills, those small gigs don't pay the bills. <laughs> so right. I right. go back to the drawing board. And that's when I decided to go to grad school to give myself more of a competitive edge. And getting my mm. master's degree was so I could just be better and be a better competitor, right? When I'm applying for jobs. Mm. Lumble, of course, having your master's degree degree means that you can teach. <laughs> yeah. And having that, you know, has opened just so many great doors to be a guest lecturer and just so many other cool things that I've been able to do. But yeah, I'm so thankful. Shout out to Shout out to our SLAM Miami students um, that had a chance to go through um, the program. And I learned so much about myself as well through being on the other side, right? We're all used to being graded, but being you're on the other side, you learn so much about yourself. Um, and I'm just so thankful, incredibly thankful, you know, for those amazing students. So proud of the rundowns they were able to do themselves, the shows that they were able to produce. And to just be a small part life has always meant to me. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Have you ever considered writing a book? Everyone tells me, John, I should write a book. And I will tell you, I, I do consider it. I would consider it, but I can't imagine it being right now. Because <laughs> there, I, I have so many good stories that I would tell, but I want to do my due diligence and I want to do it justice. And I want to be able to actually have time to completely commit to a book. So in my mind, one of these years, I'm going to do a sabbatical 
and actually hopefully be able to focus on something like that. I've had people reach out to me and tell me like they can help and, you know, write. No, I want to do it myself. It's my story. I want to control the name. You know, I'll have somebody help Mm -hmm. publish, but it's definitely down in the pipeline in the beginning, early stages. So look out for Mm -hmm. that. That's why keep following me for a long time, hopefully. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just right now. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm working on my first book right now. I say first because I've got at least four up here. In your right mind, now. yeah, yeah, you know, at like, least you know. four, and <laughs> and this one, I, I actually I don't think I've said this publicly yet. It oh. is scheduled to come out the end of October. Oh, excited this year! This year, very exciting. Yeah, it's come, right. it's Around coming Halloween real time. soon. So uh, no, uh, no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> None at all. None at all. But we will be looking out for October. Oh and yeah, I'm I'm October. I'm excited about it. It's it's, it's going to be a lot. It it is a lot of work, but. It's it will be worth it in the end. Um, it once you start writing a book, it seems like everybody you meet is an author. <laughs> I'm I'm no joke. I, I know at least 500 authors at least. There's a lot yeah. of people who write books. I don't even realize yeah. that. Friends well, it's probably, somebody's wrote a book. You know, but what's worse to me is people who die with their stories inside them. Mm, that part. That part. That's too. heartbreaking to me. It is because think about how many have died, John, with their stories. You know, inside. I'm a big history buff. And one of the best parts about history, how we learn, is history being passed down, right, through the mm-hmm. generations. And, you know, I was just in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, about a month ago. And it's my first time in Tulsa. It's my first time in the Greenwood. It's my first time on Black Wall Street. And to be able to have stories passed down from a 107-year-old survivor of the Tulsa race massacre, 189. Mm-hmm. That's why, especially, I love talking with older people. Because there's so much knowledge here that needs to come out. Because that's mm-hmm. how learn and their stories need to be told so i'm like you i'm always wanting to talk to people because there's a story inside of them and it needs to be shared and to be spread and that's kind of why i love being just a connector people but i'm like i always think about how many things we don't know because Mm -hmm. those never talked to or was never written down anywhere and there's no absolutely you know and truthfully that's the way people learn best is through stories I agree with you. And that, I mean, storytelling is so much a part, like most of our cultures, how do you, it's storytelling, right? We all mm-hmm. have cultural things that have, you know, been passed down from generation to generation. Like for instance, I'm preparing for a family reunion actually right now in Indianapolis. Mm. One of the things that make me most excited about that is the storytelling that happens, right? You mm-hmm. know, from Grandma Tang and, you know, everybody else that it's gonna, you know, we learn from and that tradition yeah. come from that. So I'm just like you. And I think that's when I get excited, you know, when I hear these, these firsthand accounts, you know, these mm-hmm. personal stories that I'm entrusted with, you know, to know, to share, to love, mm-hmm. and nurture. Absolutely. You know, if you haven't considered doing it, I would highly encourage you to bring recording equipment with you. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. To yeah. record all these stories. Yeah. So I have it. And then I can yeah. go back. I mean, yes, as a record, but also there may be a way for you to, well, sorry, it's the entrepreneur in me, but like audio books lots of other things that you can do with it not just audio i mean record i mean video and that you could record i mean you could make all kinds of things oh yeah no you can you could make a fantastic video for your family of different family members retelling certain stories stories. and now when they hear this interview they're like kelsey let's do it (laughs) so i'm gonna be on record for that but no it's so important and you know i think it's kind of like why now and this is why you know i love I, i i love like i love that we've transgress into a world where we have smartphones and it gets everything but it's kind of like why it's so nice when your parents will have your old vhs tapes you know of <laughs> you as the baby right and again yeah. tell the story and then you know one day you'll probably pass it down to your kids you know this is what i was like as a child because you know right. it shows it and i think again to your point it's so important even like my parents are high school sweethearts you know so even seeing their story and them in high school 
you know, and seeing them now, it's a story that is told, which I think is so beautiful. Um, and it's just keeping that story, keeping those stories, right? Keeping that history. That's kind of why so often when people's parents die, you know, when people go through the house, they learn so much, usually about their parents. Um, mm-hmm. they all these old belongings, they're fine old tapes, and it's stories sometimes that they never even knew, right? It might have not been oh, shared. Yeah but it's there. And there's always encourage folks, like as much as you can, like talk to your family member, get those stories. What John said, record those stories and keep that story, keep it. So your family will always have that to cherish and to hold on to and to share as your family needs to grow and expand. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to know, Kelsey, what are you doing right now to build into, to improve or to make better your most significant relationships? And what impact do those relationships have on your businesses? Oh, yeah. I will tell you. So I've invested a lot more time into social media. And I want to break this down. I meant I've spent a lot more time developing my brand on social media. That's how me and John connected. Get Most it. of the freelance gigs come from people who met me tonight. I'm hosting a, a, a DC Lawyers of Color reception came from social media. So I can't tell you enough how important my social media connections are. Um, and especially because most of my social media connections are John, are folks I haven't met, I haven't met universe. Most of them are people I haven't met. Not yet. Not yet. But those are some yet. of my strongest relationships. And so I think it's so mm-hmm. important for people to realize, you know, social media has enabled us to build a brand and to connect with so many more people than we could just in our immediate areas. Mm-hmm. And so that means, you know, I'm trying to get content up every single day. John knows this because we're on LinkedIn and I believe some other platforms. Um, mm-hmm. Always have content up, right? It's very, very important. Always pushing, always responding to people as well. That's how you also connect yes. with people. Um, and so I think that investment, which means that I need to block off time. It's a lot. Don't get me wrong. Especially now that we have spill and threats. I'm like, oh my gosh, how many social media platforms can you have? Oh, I just, but <laughs> it's I too it. many. It's too many. But it's important. Mm-hmm. right? So that means I'm also, to that point, knowing what's happening with the latest trends. Right when th- threats happen, I was on it. Right mm-hmm. when spill happened, and gosh, I have great friends, I had the invite code. Right? So making mm-hmm. sure I'm keeping up with the, you know, the latest. Um, but then I'm also always, again, always building new partnerships, new relationships. Because when you mm-hmm. post something, when people see you doing stuff, what happens? Oh, so-and-so does this. Somebody shares there. Somebody spreads the word. And then somebody else, you know, gets to know me and reaches out. So I think for mm-hmm. me, my most valuable relationship right now, and it's so funny because again, it's people I've never met, but is my relationships on, and I'm just going to one social media platform, but my social media relationships have been my most important relationship that I've had thus far, again, especially as someone who is a contractor or freelancer um, and always looking for the next opportunity. Yeah. Well, I would encourage you, first of all, you're doing a great job with though. I appreciate uh, I would continue. I, if I were you, I would continue to do that. Um, one of the things that one of the many hats that I wear okay. uh, is uh, I am a coach. Yeah. But I, I, I coach men, but I also coach business owners. Right. And one of the things that I encourage business owners to do now, it's a lot easier for you because you're used to having and being in front of a camera. You're right. very used to that. Right. Most business owners are not. Right. right. And so the thought of recording themselves on a short 30 to 45 second video daily yeah. is overwhelming. I know it isn't right. for you, but I'm going to encourage you this way. I'm okay. going to say if you're putting content out every day, it doesn't matter yeah. what five days you do it. You're on brand five days a week, two days a week. We need to see Kelsey and Kelsey only, not Kelsey the brand because you are your brand. Right. So not Kelsey the brand, Kelsey the person. Yeah. So I don't want, I don't need to see KNN. I need yeah. Kelsey because yeah. I can't know, like, and trust you if I don't really know who you are. Yeah. That's huge. And I love that. And I'm all for that. And I hope. And I think I need to push myself more because I think a lot of my stuff is seen as my brand. But I really hope like if you if anybody follows me, they'll see my personality and a lot that I do. I do try to let people in. 
And I try to be vulnerable. And I think that's one of the mm. hardest, probably the hardest thing for me. Because, you know, I grew up just to be a strong black woman. <laughs> Hard for me, you know, to all of a sudden, you know, be vulnerable and show people, you know, like, you know, what it is, you know, what, what does make me sad? What, what is it like when I'm not smiling, when I'm not happy? Yeah. But I want people to see the journey and the light. I'm trying to be, I need to do TikTok. That's the one I'm not on. I'm on it, but I need to make a video. But I do try to let people That's, that's up to you. Smiling. You know, I, I don't <laughs> encourage, you're a little bit different because I'm using this term loosely and I, there's no negative connotation when I say yeah. it. You're a media personality. Right. Okay. And so th there's there's no malice. There's nothing behind it when I say that. It's just a yeah. statement of fact. And yeah. so I understand why you would want to be on so many platforms. But for most business owners, I don't suggest that. I yeah, don't suggest absolutely. being on a bunch of them. And yeah. I don't mind saying why I think TikTok is a bad idea. Have yeah. you ever seen have you ever seen the actual Chinese version of TikTok? I what have they not. get in China I've heard about the stuff, but no, I've not. It's all it. educational. That's it. Mm -hmm. It is okay. nothing like what we what have. we say, yeah. So oh, and they're doing that for a reason. I, I agree. That's why TikTok is always in the news, folks. <laughs> so I'm not a fan of TikTok. Yeah. I think there are other platforms that work just as well. Yeah, yeah. For so uh, if if your goal is to be viral, maybe I kind of maybe I kind of right. understand that. But if your goal is to connect with people on a regular basis. Viral isn't the way to go. It's it's building it. It's you want to build to something build. viral. You don't build on viral. 15 it's, minutes, 15 minutes of fame. Right. And then it's over. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea who the most viral person was last year. And both of them. I have kids. no idea. Yeah. Because exactly. that person didn't build anything. Right. If anything, I would know who that person is if they built something. There you go. That's what most people don't realize. You know, everybody mm -hmm. asks opportunity, but it's not just about getting the opportunities. What do you do with the opportunity, right? How are you going to mm -hmm. keep that opportunity? And so to your point, you're so right. And so many kids, I wish young people would listen to this. So many kids think just going viral means save me. Oh my and, God, not even you, close. <laughs> you made it for that, that time period, right? I mean, because the good thing, the crazy thing about the news cycle is it's always something new. That's why there's always something trending, right? There's always going to be something that beats it out. And mm -hmm. that is 15 minutes of fame because it's going to get old. And we're all going to be on to the next one. And remember, we live in a lifetime where our attention spans, I think it's an average of like a minute and three seconds now on any site. <laughs> if that. I know. It's hard. It's very hard, yeah. folks. And, and truthfully, I have some uh, some friends where, I mean, it's they're, they're in that world. And so, yeah. you know, they, they're up more on like the current stats when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. The last I heard, and this was about three months ago. Okay. That. Any video, um, I'll call them video shorts. Oh yeah, isn't like three seconds? Yeah, any any video shorts that you put out, yeah, forty six seconds max. Forty six max. Right, don't go longer than that. Don't go longer than they're that. Not, they're not going to watch mm -hmm. it. <laughs> no, and and especially when you're doing those shorts, don't build up. Get to it right, right away. To the point. Just I mean, the shorter the better, actually. Yeah, that's the because that's the because if you say what you need to say right away and you do it quick and you capture the attention, then you're going to get people looking at your other stuff, which right. is what but you want anyway. Yeah, you want to keep them there. You want to keep I them absolutely there. want to keep them. Exactly yep. right. And that's invaluable information for folks. That's why it's so important to, to your point, be able to make a clear, concise message, but also be captivating. Because let's remember, the people we watch, it's something that we're drawn to, you know, for them. So what mm -hmm. makes you also uniquely you in a world filled with so much content? Because if you go online, there's, there's so much content. There's so much content. What yep. makes them stop? and want to watch or listen to you. Well, I will tell you one word, and you used it earlier. If you really want to connect with people, 
Yeah. It's that thing you say you have a hard time with. It's that yeah. vulnerability. Yeah, that's real. Because that, that's how people connect. Yeah. Because if, if we all call ourselves influencers, creators, whatever yeah. term you want to use, if we project an image of ourselves of having everything together, everything is right, everything's perfect in our lives, nobody can relate to that. No, because right, none of our lives are perfect. So you're right. right. You need to see the chaos and, you know, the craziness. And you think you're so right. And that's when people also say you're real. You know, there's a reason why my handles are they're real K Nelson, because I really want people mm -hmm. to know when they're following me, they're getting the real me. You know, I'm often mm -hmm. asked, how do you change when you're on air? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> same way I am with you, except my voice is raspy now because crazy <laughs> weather in DC. But <laughs> the same way I am with you is the same way I am on air. And of course, my personality might change a bit if I'm talking about a serious story, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> and, sure. But this is what you get if you watch mm -hmm. me you know, on TV or if I'm talking to John. So I think yeah. it's so important, but that vulnerability piece, and again, it can be hard. It's hard because, you know, a lot of us, of course you want to show your wins. Of course you want to show your successes, but it's harder usually to tell the story of like, this is the job I didn't get. This was the no I got, you know, but when you see that, mm -hmm. so say, you know what, I got that same thing and they're going to be inspired by your vulnerability. And I think that's Absolutely. what you can do. And that's why, you know, public speaking job was not in the cards either. I think that's mm. why I've had a great chance to do so much because I've learned, you know, through my failures, through my struggles, I'm able to so many more people. People want to hear you because they want to know how you're able to do all these things, even though you've even though you've messed up, but you're still finding a way. To mm -hmm. Absolutely. So talk to us for a minute about this. I want to know what role does your faith play in your businesses? What impact does it have? I think my faith for me, one, it guides me. It guides me. And that means like everything I do, I have to make sure it's in alignment with my faith. And then I think number two, I think my faith helps keep my integrity. There are things I say no to, John, it's because it's, it's not aligned with my faith. And that's a personal thing for, you know, I've been, uh, for example, you know, I was asked to do the reality show and did not align with my faith with what they, what they wanted me to do and what they wanted me to be. And, you know, mm -hmm. mostly, my God, that's an amazing opportunity. It's fantastic. It's great. Yeah, sure. You know, it has its, its good things, right? Reality show right. definitely views and, you know, in front of people. But if I can't be true to who I am and forced to be somebody else, that's not an alignment. So I think, again, my right. faith drives me. I'm true to it, not new to it. Um, and it's played a part. And in all everything I do, I, it has to be in alignment with my faith. And honestly, I told you, everything I do, it's through him. It's through his plans. And so it has to be, you know, I, feel, I personally feel that God has any to be on this earth to do. Mm, I love that. You know, the the way I describe it to people is I have a couple of filters mm, that... Right? Everything that comes to me goes through these two filters. I like that. Um, and, and they're they're very, they're simple to say. They can be challenging to live out, mm -hmm. but these are the two. I love God and I love people. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So if I'm, and which is actually the great commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's yeah. loving God and loving people. Yeah. yeah. So if I can't do those two things, whatever opportunity comes my way, I say no. Yeah. And it's not and it's because okay some of them no. aren't great opportunities. Right. Some right. of them are fantastic. I mean, the I've turned down some very lucrative thing mm -hmm. because it just didn't fit. And I knew I couldn't live I, with myself if I did. That part. And and for some people, to our point, for some people, that's going to impact them. You know, I know some people who they're chasing fame and that's completely fine. Oh, for sure. So they could care less, you know, about the alignment and they're going <laughs> to do what works best for them. And that's fine. We're all different. Mm -hmm. But for me, Senate. I have to make sure I can sleep at night. I have to make sure that I can go to these schools I love and, and the children I love talking to and I can still, you know, stand up straight and stand up tall. And, and I have to, I, and I, anything I've done, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of it. You know, I can, 
I can talk about it. I can speak to it. If I can't speak to it, if I can't feel confident in it, then it's not for me. And mm-hmm. I think you also have to learn that it's okay to say no to things. And I also had to learn that, you know, because again, when you're chasing your career, I think sometimes you think every opportunity is going to be like your make or break and you need to do it. <laughs> but if it's wrong for you, it's wrong for you. And I think that's one of the biggest things. That's why the best thing you can do for yourself is to know thyself, is mm-hmm. to know inside and out and to know also you're going to change as you grow, yeah. go through different experiences, right? And that's okay, but you have to know yourself before you can give yourself to anything or anyone. Agreed. Totally agree. How would you define success? Ooh, this is a good one. (laughs) I think success is so hard to define. And I said that to say because I think it's dependent upon the person. For me, success is turning your, I'd say in an easy way, layman's terms, is turning your dreams um, into realities and never settling, but knowing things change. (laughs) I don't know if that helps, but that would be my definition. So turning your dreams into reality um, and never settling but knowing things change. Okay. What's your number one daily habit? My number one daily habit. Ooh, this is a good one too. I th- if you can't limit it to one, can you give me a top three? Let me see. Okay. I think for one, so I am on my phone all the time. Which I'm checking my emails. And I say this, it might sound small, but people love when you get back to them quickly and when you're prompt. So I think mm. for me, like emails have been just huge for me. Um, and I think just people knowing like, you know, yeah, reach out to Kelsey and she's going to get back to you. I think that's probably my top habit. Um, I think too, just I'm a woman of faith. So, you know, I have a conversation. I pray every day, having a conversation with my Lord and Savior. He mm-hmm. was Jesus Christ. So I think that's super important to me. Again, being connected and staying connected with my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third thing, I talk to my family um, every day. So I think that's another mm-hmm. thing. Again, keeps me grounded. Um, and again, there are people that know me best. And I think just having that home support system. Um, it's just really important to me. And again, it just keeps me, I won't say even keeps me humble, but it just like, keeps me grounded. And it, they remind me of my why because they've been there from the beginning. Mm. Very <laughs> good. What would you say is the makeup of a great leader? A great leader. I think a great leader is for what? A great listener. Um, and, and let me say that real quick. It doesn't, mean you, it doesn't mean you just hear people. It means you listen to people. And there's a difference between hearing somebody and listening to somebody. I think a great leader also um, has patience. You have to have patience. You know, I mean, nothing is usually built in a day. <laughs> um, I think a great leader is also um, flexible. Things change. Lives change. Again, I work in communications. All of a sudden, you know, we have social media platforms and all of a sudden we have to add threads. So I think a great leader is, is also key <laughs> to that. Um, I think a great leader, too, has to be consistent on their decision. Um, Mm-hmm. Very important. Very, very important. And I'd say probably just the fifth trait um, is they need to be unwavering and true to what they do. So meaning like everybody on the team should be able to, you know, ex- like be able to explain who you are and understand mm-hmm. who you are. Um, I think that's all I think. I did it, and I can't remember if I said understanding, but I think also understanding and open. Very, okay. very important. We live in a very diverse world. You need to be understanding and open to all. And I think those have been best leaders I've, I've had a chance to be around. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about a time that you failed really big and what was the result of it? So I think I always go back to my first, like my first major public speaking appearance, uh, our oratory contest. And it was for WJ, or it was um, with the Reginald F. Lewis Museum in Baltimore and WJZ 13. And I was so confident, I think as a kid, because I was doing well and, you know, I had, I didn't really practice before, you know, I was going to be fine. Um, and I get there and I think I'm like number 19 in line. There's like 50 of us and I hear the wow. people before me and they're amazing. Oh my God, they're amazing. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, looking at my notes, like maybe I need to quickly, you know, look at this. 
And I get up there and first I kind of like freeze after introducing me. Then, you know, I kind of shake off the nerves. And then I started doing my oratory piece and it had to be uh, memorized. Mm. And everybody else was about eight minutes long. I think it was about a minute 30. I was rushing through it. I was so nervous. I couldn't remember the words. So I just kept talking. And eventually I ran out of words to say. And I bring this up because obviously I do a lot of public speaking now. Mm. uh, But I was in front of a large crowd again, I was, at a, I was at a museum, right? So you're in front of a large crowd. This is recorded by a television station. It's for a scholarship. So there's a big awesome. implication on the line. Mm-hmm. And I was probably, I was the worst one. I failed. Mm-hmm. I bombed it. Um, but I'm so thankful for that because to your point, you know, it wasn't, it's, it's all about how you get back up. It's all about, you know, I, I always say, you know, don't call it a setback, call it a comeback. And so mm-hmm. I had to come back from that incident. And I think for that, for me, I never want to be in that place again. <laughs> I never... Mm-hmm. Yeah, as embarrassed as I was on that. I never want to be unprepared like mm. I was. Mm-hmm. So I think that moment drives me. And then also to like see my parents and just see like the sadness on their face that they also knew that I knew <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. I bombed it. Like I just never want to feel that again. But it's something I always share. Like people assume if you're a good, like if you're on camera that you've always been able to do that. And no, mm-hmm. uh, I learned a lot from that experience. And I went back, I can give you a lot of examples, but that's the one that always sticks out to me. Um, because I think it made me a stronger and better person and really let me know. It, it humbled me, John. It humbled sure. me and taught me that I had to, you know, to be the best and to do the best, I have to give 150% to everything. Sure. <laughs> Who is investing in you right now and how do you invest in yourself? Oh my gosh. I feel like there's so many I could say invest in me. I mean, I really ha- have amazing, I can name a couple. Okay. People. You can't use your parents, by the way. Okay, I'll give my parents. I will give you, I'll give a couple names. So Sherrod Blakely, he is the president of the National Association of Black Journalist Sports Task Force. He's been amazing. Um, I had a chance this year to do a Ciroc panel um, during Super Bowl with honored Black women in media. So being on such a high profile um, with the high high brand and being recommended by him and giving mm. me great opportunity to be a leader within the National Association of Black Journalists. Because of him, I became the first woman um, to co-host our Sam Lacey Pioneer Award. So it definitely won in terms of my sports career. He's been truly just incredible. I'd say all the different supervisors and bosses I have now, I won't name all of them because as you said, I do a lot, but I think they <laughs> all pour. <laughs> they yeah. all pour and invest in me because they all know I do a lot, but they give me that flexibility and space, right? If I could mm-hmm. say honestly right now, and it's amazing because not everybody can say this, I don't have a micromanager. They trust me. Oh, wow. What I need to get done, which means a lot to me because I've worked for micromanagers and it does not work too well for me. <laughs> I got freedom and, and independence. But I think that's been huge. And then I think also the, the young people I work with, mm. you know, everybody thinks when you're a mentor, it's just you giving, you get a lot back. And so I think my mentees mm-hmm. have also just poured and invested so much into me and they just remind me, you know, this is, they remind me where I came from and they remind me, you know, why mm-hmm. I do what I do and they remind me where I'm going. You know, because I'm still inside that little girl that had a dream that's just trying to make it a reality. So obviously those are my top ones. If I can't say my family, those are probably like my okay. top people. That I, I that, just assumed your family would have been. One oh, yeah, they're on there. So, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, how do you invest in yourself? This is a good one. So I think for me, I'm actually learning this, John. Like, I think I'm trying to do better now with personal investment time. And I think my birthday is actually a good example. Like I took off of work and I actually, well, I said yes to one of it. And it was at an embassy in DC. I couldn't say no, right? It was a good <laughs> Um, But it was just nice to actually have me time and to take off. I've been so, so my voice is gone. I've been traveling. I've been working nonstop. Like I haven't had a moment to just like stop, sit, relax. And so I think for me, I'm trying to learn to do me time better. But one thing I do that's true for me, I take an hour out of each day where my phone's down. My phone is not around me. 
And that's me time. So I can, sometimes I like to walk outside when it's not too humid. I keep my curls. Sometimes yeah. I like to watch a Netflix movie <laughs> or whatever else. I have so many streaming apps, uh, a Max film, an Amazon Prime film or whatever it is, um, right. you know, a show that I like. So I really am, am keen to that because, you know, especially with my job, they have to be attached, but you also have to learn how to detach. I think the other thing I do is I'm always looking to get better. So like, for instance, I'm leaving out of town soon to be, um, I got chosen as a fellow for the Society of Professional Journalists Leadership Institute program. So doing a program with them to obviously hone and hone my leadership skills um, mm-hmm. in terms of I'm like, I'm always looking for opportunities. I'm always looking for fellowships. I'm always looking for conferences. I'm going to two conferences soon, right? To be better, to network better, to mm-hmm. learn how to present better. So I think for me, I'm always looking for professional development opportunities, which are huge, which are key. And I'm always looking for network opportunities because you never know, you know, what connection is going to lead one. To say those are probably the top ways. I just need to do a better job, though, investing into me because it's not all about what you do. You are a person. You do need to rest. Oh, and that's another thing. I finally prioritize rest. I have hmm. prioritized rest. I have not slept as much as I have this year ever in my life. Like I, when I'm tired now, I'm going to bed. Work <laughs> <laughs> can wait. You know, of course, I'll have like, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll have to put a key like where I was, but. I just prioritize rest. And this is probably honestly the best I felt in my entire life because mm. I'm actually taking time out to make sure my body, you know, is well energized so I can be ready for the day. That's great. <laughs> well, Kelsey, we're getting close to wrap up time. Uh, but before we get there, how can folks find you, connect with you, reach out to you? Yeah, of course. So the best way is through my website. It's Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Dot com. You can just put the contact me form, send me whatever. I've gotten, I mean, I've gotten everything. I've gotten people reaching out to me for events. I've got family pictures, like it's amazing to me um, what people reach out to me about. But definitely the best way to reach me on social media is also great because I'm always on it. I'm the real K Nelson on most platforms. That's Twitter, Instagram, threads, <laughs> Snapchat, and everything else. Kelsey Nicole Nelson, LinkedIn, and Facebook as well. Just drop me a note and say hi. Um, but again, definitely social media are the website, the best way to reach me and has my email on there as well. My link tree is on my social media platforms as well. So you can do any of my platforms, but I look forward to connecting with you. Again, I'm a storytelling connector. So please, 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 you know, feel free to reach out to me if anything resonated with you, or if we can work together. Love that. Love that. <laughs> All right. So now we're ready for our final four. Are you ready? All right. I'm ready. I'm always ready. Go out work in sports. The game's <laughs> over. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's the first one. Why did God create Kelsey? Ooh, I think God created Kelsey because he wanted to have someone who could give back um, and just make the world a better place. All right. Number two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Something I'm doing right now is learning to prioritize me. Something I've done is I need to get back into physical fitness. So I've been prioritizing working out. It sounds simple, Yay. but it feels much better when you oh, focus yes. time into you. So that's definitely something I'm so proud of myself better at. Okay, great. Just me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you do for fun? Oh, what do I do for fun? I love the movies. I just saw the new, what was it? Mission Impossible movie. Went to a screening for that. I'm going to go okay. see the new Barbie movie screening soon. Um, I love concerts. So I had a chance to go out to Essence Fest this year and watch a bunch mm. of their performers. I love listening to live music. And I just love spending time with good family and friends. So yeah, you probably, I'm a foodie. So you'll probably see me in a lot of okay. good restaurants eating out. Um, And I love dancing. So love a good night sometimes. Just go out, you know, and put the hilt on and go out and dance. Okay. Oh, and traveling. I love to travel too. If you follow me, you'll see me in a lot of different places. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, I I can't recommend highly enough. And it's it's not like it's a fun watch because it's not. Yeah. The Sound of Freedom. Oh, okay. I can't recommend that highly enough. What is that on? 
Um, it, it, it's in the movie theaters right now. Oh, okay. So that's the one. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a story about child sex trafficking is what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about this guy, Tim Ballard, who mm-hmm. used to work for the Department of Homeland Security, okay. where he would, he would work with other agencies around the world. Yeah. And he would work directly with them to stop these rings. But mm-hmm. what he realized was nobody was doing anything after for the children. What, what do we do with the what children? What are you doing with them after? Ooh, right. Okay. And so he ended up, I mean, he quit his job wow. to pursue full time to go pursue these kids. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean he they had to sell their house. And I mean, they had to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, but his hard. wife told us, like, you got to do this. And so he well, did. Um, yeah. So the, the movie's out. Jim Caviezel actually plays him in okay. it. And okay. Mira Sorvino plays his wife oh, in the movie. Okay. Yeah, now, it's not it's not an easy watch. Just be ready for. That. I mean, what you're you gonna, said, I can tell. Bring, like, yeah. You're going to need to bring something. You're going to cry a lot. It's going to oh. happen. And I'm emotional but, you, so I. But it's 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 very powerful. It's very moving. Um, I mean, they they already have, and that's just from when they when he went to Colombia. Uh, wow. Sound of Freedom Two, which they're in the process of of working on making that. Uh, it's from his from Tim's time of going into Haiti. Ooh, okay. So I mean he's he's done many missions. Right. He's done a all lot. All over the world. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. I will definitely put that because that's it's powerful. And I definitely will go see it. It is. It's, it's very, very powerful. Cool. Yeah. Sound of freedom. So I can't recommend that highly enough. I will do that. All right. What are you most grateful for? Oh, being alive. I know that probably sounds so generic, yeah. but I am okay. truly somebody that's thankful to wake up each and every day because no day is promised. When you close your eyes at night, there is no guarantee you will just thankful to be here and continue mm-hmm. to make an impact. My favorite quote, what we do in life echoes in eternity. So I'm just thankful to wake mm-hmm. up each day and continue to build up my legacy. Somebody comes to you and says, Kelsey, I am just, I am looking for a great book. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, I actually have one right here that I just, started, I was given, I just started reading. And if you guys can see it, it's the art. Oops. There we go. There we go. The Art of Effective Mentoring. I told you I work with a lot of mentees um, yep. as a mentor. And again, I told you I'm always professional development. I'm always looking to grow and get better. So I highly recommend this if you ever want to make a difference in somebody's lives. And a lot of times people say, I want to be a mentor, but I don't know how to. I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. It's by it's by my good friend, Dayon McLaren-Johnson. I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you do that? But he works for a group called Mentor. It's a group called Mentor. He works for the DMV Maryland um, chapter here. But mm-hmm. it's... So good. So great. And again, you can always be a better mentor to make a difference in his life. So that's what I'm reading. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so as we're getting ready to sign off, do you have any parting words for our viewers and listeners? I think my parting words would just be, you know, just keep faith, keep trugging along. Like I know life can be, life is a journey. It can be hard. There are days I know all of us sometimes just want to be done and quit, but you never know what the next day is going to bring. So keep pushing along. Now you have somebody supporting you that you probably don't even know out there. And know if you keep working hard, your rooms will be spoken into rooms that you're not even at. So keep pushing mm-hmm. along, keep trudging the trail. Um, and again, know you have support out there and that you are you are loved and you are cared for. Um, and that, again, I'm someone like me is just so thankful as well to, to connect with. So I appreciate you listening um, and tuning in and just keep being an inspiration as you are. Well, thanks, Kelsey. Thank you very much for taking the time not only to be here, but to invest in all of us. I am appreciative of that. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Thank you for being a fabulous host. I enjoyed the show and thank you for sharing your platform with me. It's my pleasure. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today because you have invested your most precious resource and that's your time. And I never want to take that lightly. So thank you for investing in us today. 
And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.